let people around you evolve and like create things so that not only it's not just for you, but like, you know, you got, you guys who work for you want to like, maybe they want to go work for somebody else, but why not? You could work for us because we're a great company we're gonna and we're going to do something different. We're always going to push the boundaries and the limits and do whatever we can. So that I'm very passionate about doing. So therefore, yeah, you then realize that your passion supersedes your actual thought process of how you're going to do things. Yeah. Right. And like, really, did you ever really think it out when you're opening three different restaurants, three different concepts? It's kind of stupid. It's waiting on fries that you don't get it. You don't. What do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never here is waiting on fries. But all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed. And then you're it's like, ready Fuck, to go. I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in. And I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's going to be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back 10 minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> they just know that their food's not there in the service that they're still waiting on fries. I guess we're just waiting on fries. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Diner Bruco, 40 South Division Street, New Rochelle. Into supporting the local scene of beers and ciders, Diner Bruco uses only New York State ingredients manufactured in Mount Vernon and sold at the Tap Room in New Rochelle. Ran by owner-operators, Diner Bruco is a completely independent brewery. Porters, sours, browns, champagne ciders, and lagers, Diner Bruco is as good as it gets. You know what they don't have at Diner Bruco? What? Water fountains. There's probably a good reason they don't have water fountains at Diner Bruco. But if you ask for a glass of water, they'd be more than happy to get you one. Absolutely. I definitely have gotten a glass of water at Diner Bruco. You know, this comes from a stint of something I posted on the Waiting on Fries podcast Instagram account, which you can find literally at that. Uh, somebody posted a great photo of a water fountain in the center of this bar, and it had cups near it as well, so people could kind of help themselves to water. And Justin and Anum really got at me. All right, wait. First of all, I didn't get at you. I stayed out of that conversation quite literally on purpose. You passively, aggressively liked two of Justin's comments that he shot at me. Because when I, when, I, when I read those comments, they struck a chord with me, and I felt like liking them. I think you liked one of yours, too, when you called me pretentious. No, he hit it by accident. He uh, unliked I it. I did like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, a very pretentious comment. The, the thing is, you know, in a restaurant – or something that's more restaurant-focused, it's very easy to give somebody a glass of water. But in nightlife, come 1 a.m., 2 a.m., f- almost 4 a.m., depending on where you're located, it's like a horde of zombies asking for waters by the bar, and everyone has to wait, uh, as opposed to them just being like, hey, I know where there's a water fountain. I could get my own water. So you're saying maybe people are too busy to get you a glass of water, or you're saying people shouldn't be asking for a glass of water? I'm saying I don't mind. I'll get you the glass of water. But if you want to get it for yourself, like, it's right there in the center of this beautifully located, surrounded by, I think there was, like, fake trees around it, a water fountain. Like, you could just go right there and also get that. Yeah, see, that just came off lazy to me when I saw the post. It does seem kind of lazy. You know? It's like the bartenders can't be bothered with getting you a glass of water. So it's like, you want a glass of water? There's a water fountain over there. And you turn around, and there's, like, four people standing around it, maybe... Someone's making out next to it, and you're like, oh, I got to ask the couple yeah. having PDA over there to move so I can quench my thirst. You're too busy to just give me a glass of water. Feel, it, it feels like a Larry David. I've been giving you money all night long, and I just need a glass of water, and you can't even give me a glass of water. You're lazy. For, and also, I would have no interest in drinking out of that water fountain that's yeah. in the middle of a bar. You're also germaphobe, though, a little bit as uh, well. No, I, mean, I invite the germs. Dude, there's... You're saying it's at 4 a.m. and everybody's zombies, and now the water fountain is in the center of zombies. Not necessarily sure that's the type of water fountain I want to drink from. You know, I'd rather have a glass of water. <laughs> no, wait, listen, we can that go the, to the bar. That the friendly bartender would pour for me. 
We could go to the bar. It's okay. Uh, we got a great show today. You know, we've got Chef David Debari coming in here in a little bit, and we're going to have a conversation about, you know, what he started, what, you know, what's he got, three restaurants now, something? I believe it's four. So he's got the parlor, the cookery, and Eugene's Diner. We'll get into that as well as uh, okay. as time comes. Um, and we also have the donation food truck. He does have the donation food truck. We've set up next to them at, uh, at Best of Westchester, yeah. yeah. Which is a nice play on words as well. Uh, we've got a real interesting voicemail coming to you as well, where we're going to solve a very unique and interesting problem, uh, which you'll see towards the end of the show. And of course, uh, the rest of the interview that we have with Dave will be put up in a couple days as well. So you can get the full hour long talk. For sure. We're going to be a little ahead of schedule too, because we're going to touch on uh, restaurant week that's coming up in March. So The Hudson Valley Restaurant Week. The Hudson Valley Restaurant Week. I'm sorry. We're going to talk... We're going to speak about the current restaurant week that's happening in New, New York, York City, City and then reference the Hudson Valley restaurant coming up in March. We'll explain to them quick, too, what, what restaurant week is in so, case in your town, you know, you don't have restaurant week. Right now uh, in New York City, you can go to a whole slew of restaurants and get either a two-course or a two-course lunch or a three-course dinner for quite the deal. Um, I believe the lunch is $26 at most restaurants while the dinner is $42 for three courses at most of the restaurants. And these are like restaurants where typically somebody wouldn't walk into or something, maybe a little bit... Uh, yeah, so I mean, there's a whole bunch point. of restaurants you could choose from, so it's a good time to try something that may be a little bit out of your comfort comfort zone or out of, uh, you know, your normal choice for a restaurant. Good time for me to check out Manhattan, it sounds like. Excellent time for you to check out Manhattan. It, is man, is Manhattan. We're, doing, we're doing lunch right now. Oh, nice. Just week. lunch. Just lunch. Not dinner. Not dinner. Okay. How, how long does a city want to go to? Um, February 9th. Oh, so, so you got some time. You got about yeah. a week. You got about a week to go. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we have David Debari in the studio today. And those that don't know who Dave is, this guy has his hands in a handful of different pots, if you will. Right, Nooms? Yeah. So he is the chef owner of The Cookery, The Parlor, and uh, Eugene's Diner. I got to eat at Eugene's Diner not too long ago, and it was an awesome experience. And, really enjoyed it. And donation. And donation, yeah. Well, so I've got to eat a donation because you guys set up next to us at uh, the Best of Westchester. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me nothing sucked? <laughs> Literally. At there had Eugene's to be one thing that sucked. <laughs> at Eugene's, no. I was thoroughly impressed from start to finish. Um, so I, I got don't believe the, uh, you. <laughs> we got uh, the bread and butter with like the ramp butter or something like that. Um, I think I got the pancakes. My girl got the burger, I want to say. And then we got some stuff to take home for dessert. That's fantastic. Dude, well, it was you. awesome. It was really awesome. I definitely enjoyed. Actually, so I also went to the cookery, the um, stick of butter pie. That's oh, deep. One That's of my really, one yeah. of my favorite desserts. That's for a classic. Oh, sure. well, thank you, man. Absolutely. All right. So it's all for a good start. Yeah, <laughs> tell us your story. When, yeah. When, so how did background. you get started with so many different concepts? Because um, I'm stupid, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, no, um, you know, you, listen, look, you're passionate about. Where I come from, I'm passionate about just about everything that has to do with my kitchens and my restaurant and my business. And it's hard to, like, control the different things that you want to do. Right. And and, and and sometimes you just can't do it in, in one spot. So, like, you kind of, like, I don't want to say you get bored because I'll never be bored at <laughs> any one of my places. They're I know just, what you mean, though. It, 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 it you know, you want to do something different. You got to. It becomes time to try something It's new. time to evolve, time to let people around you evolve and like create things so that not only it's not just for you, but like, you know, you got, you guys who work for you who want to like, maybe they want to go work for somebody else, but why not? You could work for us because we're a great company we're gonna and if we're going to do something different. We're always going to push the boundaries and the limits and do whatever we can. So that I'm very passionate about doing. 
So therefore, yeah, it, you then realize that your passion supersedes your actual thought process of how you're going to do things, yeah. right? And like, really, did you ever really think it out when you're opening three different restaurants, three different concepts? It's kind of stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> it's adventurous. Yeah, right. So, so regardless of any of that, we're in it now. So now what the fuck do we do? Right. Right. So, yeah, I guess that's a good reason. Uh Opening, opening so quick together with things is pretty impressive, right? Yeah. Uh, talk about the cookery opening in 2009. Then you go into the parlor 2013. And here we have Eugene's. And donation in between all that in 2011, yeah. too, is like, it's crazy to see work ethic where rapid expansion kind of just happens. It's like you weren't sitting on your hands whatsoever. You were just planning the next steps, it seems like, the whole while. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say it worked that way, but it kind of never did it it, it I kind of do things sometimes without a reason I mean I know what I want to go do but like sometimes if you're out there and you you have something in the back of your head it's like you you drive around and you see this space and and the space is that that's where that's gonna go you know yeah. and then you kind of like it starts to build the energy of, of of making that project work um but yeah like here's a here's a good story actually so like when I opened the cookery, I really wanted a, like a Neapolitan wood-fired pizza oven in it. All right, and so I'm a I'm a stupid kid who's opening his first restaurant. Doesn't like I don't even know what I'm like. Honestly, had no idea what we were doing, and um, but we soon realized that that wasn't going to happen with whatever small money we had in our pocket to make this thing happen, and the size of the restaurant, and the fact that we never built anything out before. So like, I was dreaming that that oven was going to be in there, and then. You know, it didn't. So in the back of my head, like, I did need to have that. Two years into the cookery, I had this idea. I met this guy who was building these these ovens, and we decided, like, it's time to have a food truck. And, and for a reason also, because the cookery just, we were so small, we couldn't do a lot of catering. And I didn't really like to do a lot of catering at that point. It wasn't my thing. Like, I don't like buffets i'm like a hot fired up chef you know blah, blah, blah. i don't do that shit you know you'll say that <laughs> they don't realize that that's where the money is but yeah I, after that it takes me a while but so we said let's let's make our catering this wood-fired mobile pizza oven that then we can then you know you know kind of become more part of the community with farmers markets and you know selling to people and, and going to farmers markets and festivals and just you know do, it being almost sort of a great thing to almost you know uh, Donation, you know what I mean. That's it's D-O-U-G-H Nation, and, and generally, we we like to donate, and and we actually donate two uh, percent of our all of our profits to a different donation every year. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Jay was talking about that. I didn't know that. That's yeah, and, and, and you know, anyway, so it's just a great thing to have and, and a great thing to cater with. So, yeah, that was my I got my pizza oven and it was mobile. And how how often is that thing out on the go actually handling catering? You know. Uh, during this, the, 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 the busy season, which is, you know, basically the, the summer, all the fall, yeah, um, you know, we could have two or three parties on a Saturday, a farmer's market on a Saturday, a farmer's market on Sunday morning, and then another two or three parties. Um, and it's all really about the weekends, and then we're off doing something else, you know, one or two pops during the week. But, yeah, it's, it keeps us busy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and to, you know, food trucks are all over the place at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, what's the food truck gathering that happens down in Queens and Brooklyn? Oh, uh, 
not smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Is that something that you ever look to even take part in or do or do some type of special event just for fun? No, you know, those things are, I feel like we have such like a good presence where we are and, 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 and we enjoy doing that, like just kind of moving around and doing a farmer's market and kind of picking, choosing where we want to be and, and uh, sort of being part of the community. And you really do get, you get a lot of great business and a lot of repeat business and it, and it, it feels good. Like I don't, actually feel the need to go worry about like Brooklyn or New York City or, or you know sure we're, we're, we're building Westchester yeah exactly uh, as well or you guys you know also too in, in the talks of you know while we're on subject of the food trucks how much of uh, I guess a bitch is it to get the permits required to set up in all these various locations is that I didn't find it to be um, that problematic or, or, or hard is that I, as I, simple you, as filling out the application? And Yes, yes. I mean, it, it's really basic stuff. I mean, you know, you're setting up a small business. There's tax. There's everything else. And, and yeah, see, every jurisdiction is different. Like, you may show up to an event, but you're going to, you know, have to go through the, the sort of the rules and regulations of where you are, and you'll have to probably file a separate permit for them. There's little things, you know, insurance, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's a lot of back-end shit, but, you know... Um, it wasn't that difficult to get permits at all. Health department, standard stuff. Yeah. The now opening the the but cookery first. Mind you, that was like seven years ago. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going into the cookery first after you left under Mario Patali, right? Um, yeah. Was that a smooth transition right into the cookery, or was there some time in between that when you were kind of well, figuring out the business plan and um, where you're going? Lo- well, long after. Uh, Mario working for the Babo that was quite a ways back. I since then I had uh, actually was the, sh- the chef of Zupa in, in Yonkers for a while, um, the five years before I actually opened the cookery. So um, yeah, that's what I was doing. I was quite a bit of time, probably a good almost let's say five, six, seven years at that point. And then going into the cookery, you must have had this plan for maybe a year or so at least, yeah, developing yeah. all the ideas and uh, honestly. But see, it's funny, like, I always say, like, it's really hard to plan shit because no, shit never goes as planned, you know? And then you just got to do gotta it. And then it. you got to do it better, right? Yeah. Like, so I had, I remember sitting, you know, I would come home from Zupa late at night. And I would bang out this business plan. I'd work on it every night, you know, for, for, for a year, to your point. And um, it was grand. It was, it was big. It was the you know, an investor kind of place. It was, you know, it had all, everything that I wanted to have and right on paper. And then you're looking at space and you're actually getting to understand like what rents are and how things work. And so I'm, I'm looking for space and I finally realized, well, there's nothing that I can afford. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, you know, we sort of ended, real estate agent showed us a place in Dobbs Ferry, this little spot it was Austin Steakhouse, I think. And it was just like this tiny little thing and it was, didn't cost what to us was a shit ton of money, by the way, but it really wasn't anything in the restaurant world. So we just figured this is the place that um, we can make work. But it was not never going to be what I had on paper. <laughs> yeah, okay. it, not even close. It could couldn't even come close to it. So that's why we we ended up taking the space. And also a very small story. A very good friend of mine. You guys know Peter Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. So he's always the last word on shit I do because he's like, you know, very close and, and, and supportive of me. So, you know, I, 
Actually, my mother said, why don't you go ask Peter what he thinks? <laughs> that's, how, that's how it works. He's the consumer. He, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's like, I know the space. He's like, do it. It's you. It's what you need to do what you do. And I was like, okay. So, cool. so Peter said it was cool. Peter said it was cool. <laughs> the cookery. Signed all the way down the line there. It's funny. We have such similar stories you hear from like person to person. Yeah. The same thing. Like you have a crazy idea and then reality sets in and that's the idea. <laughs> <Yeah. you go. laughs> we, were, we, were, we were talking last week about budgets and whatnot. And yeah. Justin is redoing the smokehouse in New Rochelle and moving across the street into a larger facility here. Nice. And we were talking about the budgets and uh, exactly same yeah. thing. Grand scheme plans and then of when course then, reality check. Yeah, when we opened New Rochelle in 2007 – we thought we had all this money, just like you yeah. said. We're like, oh, this is more money than I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And it Little quickly, you know. quickly, it was not a lot of money. <laughs> and all the ideas that we had changed. And now we're trying to build towards, you know, a different different direction now. But how much, you know, 2009 is after financial crisis here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of a good time to pick up a lease on a restaurant, I feel like, no? Yeah, it was. And not that I really had any idea. Sure. That wasn't what I was thinking. Right. In fact, actually, to be quite honest, another story is that my attorney at the time who was, who was, you know, representing me on on everything with the restaurant and whatnot, he begged me. He begged me not to do it. He he was trying to really, he was like, you don't, this is not the time to do this. I'm telling you, (laughs) your first no, don't. And I was stubborn, but it paid off. Nice. Yeah. Uh, how much has the cookery evolved, I guess, over time since you originally opened it with that first concept that you, you kind of actually brought to the table to, you know, what we see in there now? Yeah. Um, if you think about, like, what your first menu looked like compared to where it is now. Um, shit. We evolved so much, and so I feel like we've done so many different things. Um, but it's it's not too far off. It's not... It'll never be far off in terms of what's in the soul and what people will know they're going to get there. So that's that's the easy part, right? Um, so, but I think you know, as 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 a chef, you sort of you change and evolve and influence like all the time too. So like those kind of show up, you know, in stages of the restaurant. And I think that's kind of fun, you know. Like I remember there's a time when I was super into like Fergus Henderson and 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 you know, and I still am and 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 and. To think that like um, that restaurant St. John is like that inspired me so much. It's just it's soulful British food, and it, when I was so into him, that's when you know the cookery started to go from not just a soulful Italian, but just bringing in a little bit of something from from everywhere else that really like fell into our our basket, which was always you know sort of pushing the boundaries a little bit and doing the things that maybe some people were afraid to do. Like, and that's what Fergus was doing, right? So that we just kind of like built on that pretty hard. And then, you know, um, and I think now it's, it's changing into something that's a little bit, a little bit lighter, a little bit fresher, but still with the same soul and, and, um, but never like really compromising in our integrity whatsoever. Like it's, there's always, it's always going to be deep. Like that's what you're going for. It's deep, but we're just kind of like nodding to the things that, you know, even now as a human that we're going through, whether it be health reasons or, or sort of like, you know, just changing as an adult, as a person, right. I think it just finds its way into into the cuisine and, and, the, and the brand, you know? So I like that's that. right. We do see, uh, I think, a lot of these polls, and like you just said, with health uh, in general, I can't walk up to a handful of food trucks because it's fried everything. And I'm I like, know. where's the health conscious side of this? Like, I just shed 30 pounds. I'm yeah, trying to, yeah. like, keep this down, right? Like, 
Uh, I did just order a zucchini salad yesterday, which I would never do in a million years. I wasn't. Uh, like, it was fantastic. Oh, beautiful vinaigrette in this thing. I felt super healthy. I almost wanted to go outside and do 50 push-ups real quick. <laughs> um, but th- good these are things that we see that start reflecting in menus where, like, yeah, it's not just all overweight things. Uh, now, do you see this jumping into the parlor where it is really more pizza dough heavy and whatnot? And are I, people I, asking for salad pies? Like, here's here's what I'll tell you. I think each restaurant, everything is is affected by that and 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 because it's a really really profoundly huge part of us as a society right now and i understand a lot of it i'm really close to it i i i get it and you know there's a lot of research that says this is all eight of these fucking specialty diets these new diets work i get it you know but then like they also don't and it, it, it will never ever know, right? So that's the way I look at it. And, and mm-hmm. but people are are going, and they're you 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 don't know if you're serving keto, or you don't know if you're a certain you know celiac or gluten free or whatever. It's I think people expect nowadays because of technology and 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 you know having more information and it's so rapid and to get things that are you know. For whatever they're yep. into at that time, and and, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't it, yeah, and, and, and because there's so many, and I I understand that, and and um, you know, we always go above and beyond where we can, but it's just it's crazy because we're on our toes about it, we're thinking mm-hmm. about it, we're we're we we have to, right? Like it's it's not a bad thing, but it's like it's we're working harder at that right now, and and it's not easy. It's uh, tough too because it changes yeah. so quickly. Yeah, like yeah. you know, from one one year to the next year. It's keto right now yeah. is like a thing, and then you know it could change. Yeah, and you fight the urge to say like, no, this is this is who we are. I'm sticking to. Yeah, I'm gonna do this. You'll come around and come back, but then at the same time, you gotta have an option for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just alienating. But I also, alienating people. I also think it, we offer when I look at my menus. I feel like when you actually break down dishes, like we do, those things are offered. They're they're offered. Like sometimes it just takes the waiter to. To, to, to steer them in the right direction or build it a little differently if they can. And because uh, not everything has everything and we there's things that we can do. And I think that's also part of, part of uh, dealing with that. Um, I'm just not a big fan of like, the only thing I, is I like, like I could probably go vegan tomorrow. I and mean, it sounds <laughs> crazy. Cause like I do love meat and, and, and I know you do. And, and, and maybe, maybe I, I couldn't, but the, the, you know, I I like vegetables. Yeah. Like vegetables are so fucking good. Like you know, like a wood roasted vegetable. I don't know, the oven at the parlor is is like it's like candy. It's like amazing. It's like it's so much depth, and it's like so. Eat a fucking vegetable. <laughs> eat a fucking vegetable. It's good. It's delicious. I feel that. I feel that. I gotta why, be honest. Why do I have to turn it into something else? Like take the fucking cauliflower, turn it into a pizza crust, fucking. I, 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 it's like, eat the fucking vegetable. It's so good. The um, the time since I started Manhattan over a uh, little over a year and a half now, I've started to appreciate vegetables a lot more. Coming from working at Smokehouse, where we were just dealing with smoked meats and now the barbecue stuff and burgers and wings and whatnot. 
But like the simple treatment of a mushroom when you treat it properly, yeah, yeah. it's fucking delicious. You don't need meat when you have smoke a on it. Yeah. yeah, oh my god. Yeah, it's well, nice. Uh, listen, I'm down on that. We don't need meat. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. Some of the like, so if um if a vegetarian comes in or a vegan comes in, we'll often just make a plate of food just for them. Like Jorge was talking about, we accommodate people like that. But some of the veg plates we put out there look nicer than the steak plates. I gotta be honest. You just take a whole it, bunch of vegetables, treat them nicely, and that's it. That's all you need. It. But how, can I ask Jorge? Is it? Are you feel the effect of you know, this whole beef and the rainforests and the, the, you know, have you felt a hit of that? Have you felt people not come, you know? Well, like, like you said, it's, it's on our mind. Yeah. I think our, our base, you know, we've kind of be able to create like our brand a little bit. So the people that are looking for that or people that are coming in, but it's definitely on our mind. Maybe not so much the plant-based stuff because, you know, we're, cu- we're curious. How does it, how do we stay Barbecue, like true barbecue, yeah. and then also have like this whole plant based idea. It maybe you know we have to figure out how to make it still a smokehouse, still us mm-hmm. when we do it. But we have like um, adjusted to start doing the bowls. Like we do like a barbecue bowl, mm-hmm. so we kind of take all of the ex- excess stuff out of the barbecue and just get down to the protein, the vegetable, and like, great. and like the starch yeah. and put it together. And it hits at lunch, especially when people are trying to just get in and get out and have something like it. Mm-hmm. It's hard with barbecue because it's so heavy. Yeah, it is what it is. You can't. It's so delicious. I'm going to have a full <laughs> rack of ribs and then yeah. go back to work. It's That's probably not going to happen. That's but, you know, lunch. we have to adapt a little bit like that. So what's the, what's the average time that somebody has during a, a, a lunch break here? Is it an hour or so? By the time you actually minutes. get to the place, you've got a half hour left. So, yeah, when you start posting these bowls up, I said, oh, it's a great get and get out. And for you... Uh, that's important to get more people in the door, right? Yeah, it's uh, just just simplifying it down to like the raw ingredients and trying to present it that way. Now, I, I like a barbecue bowl. I kind of want a barbecue bowl. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go. We'll leave the meat out. Uh, so, right, two thousand nine is the cookery. Uh, we just talked about that a little bit. Rustic mm. Italian food there, and then you said, no, no, no. I love pies though. Let let's get the parlor going. Right, 2013? Yep. Donation yep. somewhere in between there, though. So right, so, so it was cookery, then donation. So we were, you know, operating out of there, and that was our, you know. And then there was, I think because of the success of that, and that we really got great, amazing feedback, we said let's, there was a space available in Dobbs, and it was a small space, and I kind of looked at it, and it kind of felt like it should be that little pizza spot. And um, so we decided to, you know, put the same oven, same style right into that location. And and they are very much brother-sister restaurants from that kind of uh, almost gritty aesthetic to some extent. Yeah, 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 totally. The, the, the parlor's like, I always say it's like Neapolitan pizza in a Lower East Side punk venue. Uh, the first time I walked in there, I order a pizza, I sit down and uh, I order a drink and, and we'll come back to this in a second. But the drink was already pre-batched for me in a little yeah. flask-like uh, bottle. Um, I think it actually was the bee's knees. But then I get the pie, and it's presented with these scissors, and the scissors just cutting the pie up right here. Where'd that come from? I mean, it's fucking common sense. <laughs> <laughs> I got so much fucking shit for that, and now they fucking love it. It does make sense. It, dude, first of all, you cut it in any size you want. Right, to start. And then it's like, you know when you've just about, you know, had enough and you're not going to do anymore? I actually watched someone do this at the, at the bar yesterday that I was talking to. It was fantastic. You know, you do that 
you just snip a little sliver, <laughs> right? And then you, you eat that, right? And then like two minutes later, you just snip, snip a, a little, little sliver, sliver right? Uh, until the whole fucking thing is gone. But uh, I think it's playful. It's it's kind of, it's a little, gets the customer a little bit more in touch with the kitchen in, in terms of being, you know, hands-on. And I just make it common sense. And every, And some people have said to me, you know, all right, you know what really inspired me? Fuck it. You ever see Cobra? Stallone. Year, what is this, 80-something? 80, 80 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I have. Come on, the dude walks the in with his black sunglasses and in his black jacket. And, he, you know, he's like sort of this cop and, and he's got this ratty apartment. You know, he kind of walks in all straggly late at night, opens the refrigerator, takes out a box of pizza, sits down at his desk, open the box, takes his scissors, and cuts the fucking pizza and starts eating it. And that is was it, it for you? This is it. That's it. That, that's where this whole thing stems from. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, too, how about, like, hospitality, right? And on that side, maybe you have some older clientele that walk in, they want a slice of pizza, you present them the scissors. Are they like, guy, can you take this shit back to the kitchen and cut it for me? No, no. It, yes. In the beginning, yes. And now, now no. Start. People ask for them. People want them. It's fun. They get it. It's They're into it. They're very much into it. So you make your own lane and you retrain the people to expect something else. Yeah. Which like is best case scenario, which is important in restaurants in general. I mean, uh, let, let's circle back to you here. Just, uh, when you develop the delivery counter, so uh, not the delivery, the pickup, the takeout counter, right? Mm-hmm. People were coming in to pick up their orders so often that it was kind of, I guess, just becoming a, not a nuisance, but in the way of the actual service where you put this thing in the front of the restaurant where people could just come pick up their stuff. Be out just like that, no? Are you referencing Mamaronic or Nurishal? Mamaronic. Okay, yeah. Because Nurishal was the pickup counter first. Yeah. And then we built the restaurant around it. But, yeah, Mamaronic was that way, where we had everything at the bar, but then eventually. The first idea was to have everybody walk through the walk whole restaurant. All the way, see, like the full length of the restaurant. We wanted them to see the whole place, yeah. so we want to make them walk all the way to the back, but then it just became inconvenient, so we put it in the front. And but in restaurants, <laughs> as... as you know, an owner or somebody that's looking to speed up the service, you do have to kind of retrain people into rethinking it and looking at things a little bit differently where they weren't used to walking up and just getting their bag. All of a sudden they were just like, Oh, there's a normal practice now. Like, Oh, I'm just going to cut this scissor pizza up real quick. (laughs) Uh, Or for instance, sitting down at your bar, getting the bee's knees in the flask. And I was like, huh, it's pre-batched. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, And does that come down to kind of just speeding up the service for the bar? Or? I don't like to. All right, so it it definitely does, and this the taste the the the, the bar is small. It's really it's like honestly like it's my favorite bar to hang out. I don't you know it's like I feel like I'm in like a you know really dive bar in, in Brooklyn, and I just I love being there. Or even during the day, but um, like the graffiti uh, yeah steel on the back. It's nice. Um, but you know. I think that uh, what, what were you guys? What were you asking me? What was uh, the question? I, I was saying just retraining people and then sitting at the bar and getting the flask with the bee's knees. Yeah, so like, so oh, it's 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 bad. tight as it's tight as shit back there. So like, it, I want to say that it was built because I don't want to say it was built. What I'm saying is it was it's 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 good for it, but really, the idea behind it is that you as a chef, right, mm-hmm. and me as a bartender or vice versa, is that we're gonna make collaborate and make this drink and it's going to be the same every time because we put some love in it and then you put in these cute little flasks and then yeah guess what it's a little bit easier for the bartender and a lot of fun for the customer 
So, you know, that's why we want that, right? How often are these flasks walking out the door? Are you ordering boxes of these things <laughs> yeah, every three about weeks? about that. There's a percentage that does leave the building. How much, I really don't know, but it's it's not killing us. And, and eventually that might become a, a tax that's put on to bills. <laughs> yeah, at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. You know? Um, but speak, speaking of the tax, too, you know, you've instilled this 3% food-only surcharge into, is it all of the restaurants? Yeah. Which is great. And we talked on that uh, a little bit last week or the week before. And, Justin, you could pick up on this, I'm sure. What part of it? Oh, talking about the 3% <laughs> surcharge in which this goes back to the kitchen. And you were discussing that. Oh, you were thinking about and, and yes. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, we've always, we've always struggled with the idea of, you know, the kitchen being so important in the restaurant. Because that's why people are coming. Like we tell our servers, you can go out and get a rack of ribs or a cheeseburger or a pint of beer anywhere. But if they don't, if you don't enjoy the experience, you're going to go somewhere else the next time. If the food is always good, though, that's what's going to bring people back as well. And there's that. We were talking about the wage gap in between. Like front of house servers tend to get more money than the people more money than, yeah. than the yeah. back, and they're the ones that are kind of like the consistent product. So we we're always trying to look for a way to even that out without breaking the bank. But. Um, well, Danny Meyer started it with the no yeah. tipping, and that was how he was going to. Well, he's doing what he's doing. How much it's working for the rest of people doing it? I don't think I. I, guess I actually listened to an amazing podcast on um, uh, Freakonomics, and um, there was a discussion on that. And, and, and um, you know, it, it definitely didn't work out on a grand scale or change things, which is unfortunate because I think it's a really great idea. You can imagine a counting nightmare. Um, that's but, the first, that's but, the first thing I thought. But yeah, I, I, um, I don't think it works up here. I don't think it would work for us because we were looking into it, you know. And um, But really, you know, I, I spoke to a, a gentleman who you, I'm sure you all know, uh, Bill Taibbi in, in Westport, um, who owns uh, Jessa Paul and, and the Welk? He's he he kind of started it in, in Connecticut, and I talked to him a lot about it in depth, actually. And and I knew we needed people in Westchester. He knew there needed to be pe- people in Westchester doing this, and and I said this seems to be the answer. So this is something that we can do. Like we're food focused, and everyone can do it together. And I think, you know, it, it adds a lot of incentive to to the kitchen. You know, it, it really gives them another reason to be there but not but to also work harder and 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 evolve themselves and and to bring the restaurant together collectively as as a group because it's not all about one person it's not about the chef it's not about the it's about everyone and 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 if we can kind of like bring that bridge that gap just a little bit i think it would be awesome and and, um you know my wait staff i know are so into it because we're we're a team and they they know what we put into it and um, we all respect each other, and, then, and and no one's really affected by it. We're all in it together, and, and um, you know, it does. It bridges it just a little bit. It bridges it just a little bit, and it feels good for everybody. You probably um, get people, especially, to take a little more ownership in it, knowing that that's exactly. the driving force. Exactly. Jay was worried that the wait staff would actually react uh, adversely to it no. and be put off that that would actually come out of their money in some some way. So I, I was going to say now on the service side of things and having three restaurants that are actively doing such, is there something that the servers are kind of prepared to tell a person that goes, what the hell is this 3% kitchen charge that I'm getting hit with here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's to let them know 
the story about how, you know, this is um, for our hardworking kitchen staff who breaks their ass every day. <laughs> they don't say it just like that. Uh, this is for them. It's uh, not a gratuity. Um, it is basically an addition to your food portion only of the check. And um, super into it. That's <laughs> basically what they what they roll with. And to add, to add to what Justin just said, on the West Coast, apparently there's showing up a lot more frequently in a lot more places. And through the forums, there's wait staff that are just complaining and saying this extra three percent is coming out of my twenty percent tip that I get at the end of the night. Really? Um, but but I mean, these are just gripes people yeah. have at yeah. the end of the day, right? Um, I mean, I, and listen, I don't. I, I've had people like not be into it, and for, for, for also for one thing, um, you know. It's only on the food portion of your bill. And if, you know, if we actually fuck up, which we fuck up, you know, we take it off. It's like, if it's our mistake, it's our mistake, you know. Um, but, you know, I've had a few customers here and there at each of the restaurants who just don't understand it or don't get it. And um, you get that, oh, why don't you just pay them more? Well, <laughs> let me explain to you. Yeah. Um, because the minimum wages are going up. There's a whole nother discussion and, 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 and uh, labor laws are changing immensely. And it's, it's really not in anyone's, at least a business owner's favor. Um, but, you know, and prices of product consistently go up all the time. And there's, so it is, and there's only so much you can charge. That's just kind of like the whole bucket of like all that right there. Let's sum right. that up. But, um, yeah, you've, we've we've had people say, oh, just pay your staff more or or just raise your prices. The math we've done shows that, like, for a 3% on, you know, a $30 check or whatever it is, it, you would feel it a lot more if we raise the prices, a yeah. lot more. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I can't, I can't afford to do that. I don't want to do that. Like, that's not who we are. So it's hard to keep up with, with everything that's going on working on very small margins, as we all know. So. I mean, at, at some point with inflation, at some point with inflation, burger prices will just go to $20 and nobody yeah. will feel it anymore. But you can't be the first guy that starts paving the way to be right. like, yeah, we've got $20 burgers here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, come yeah, check yeah. this place out. Um, so then there's a $20 burger out there. I'm positive. Oh, uh, there certainly is. Yeah, there is. Sure. So you're pre-batching now and uh, a little bit at the parlor here. And then... Uh, we go into Eugene's 2019. What was, what was the sentence that Rock, Rock said you gave him? What was that? Oh, you wanted that uh, that dessert case right in the middle for everybody to see. No, he said there was a sentence. He said when we were talking about the design. When you are talking to Rocco? Yeah, yeah, when we were talking to Rocco. By the way, I love Rocco. <laughs> Rocco, if you're listening. Uh, no, we Rocco. actually grew up uh, down the street from each other. They really? Rocco and I. Really? Yeah, we've known each, known each other for like 30 years. Uh, talking awesome. about um, what he said to describe. Yeah, what he said it was like, it was like a badass um, something. Yeah, badass '70s diner like in somebody's basement or something like that. Uh, what did we say? It was the it was the rotisserie display uh, with the cakes. No, let me think. We uh, let me think about that. <laughs> it, it was something along those lines. I get. He was describing what you said to him to roadside diner meets '70s basement. Was something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh, a cool concept. Like, why did that? Why was that so important to you? Um, I think um, it's sort of, okay, so first we're designing another restaurant and and I, I can't, I didn't know what to do with design. I had no, no clue. First initial uh, in my head is sort of like a 
rustic. Yeah, what's that place? Uh, Johnny Rockets. Yeah, like sort of like retro-y, a little bit brighter, but like tie in like somehow tie in like you know brick and 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 uh, you know some barn wood or something. And, and then I'm like, wait a second, this sucks. <laughs> I think my wife said. Why says my wife said this sucked too? Yeah, we just this is where, where are we going with this thing right now? This is just awful. Um, and. Let's throw out the barnwood and the pipes and all that shit, and let's. We're, what, what, what do we do? And um, we started to think about like, you know, where where diners were really awesome, and things were really fun, and sort of where we were the years we were born in, and kind of growing up with a lot of that in our homes and whatnot, of that decor in the seventies. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's roll with this. Let, this is going to be fun. And you know what's even going to be better? is that everyone's going to fucking hate it. <laughs> They're going to fucking hate it. It's disgusting. It's it's so bad. Like, you, how many times have you seen that cheap fucking wood paneling and just want to rip it off? You know how many people are like, you want mine? The rest of this interview with chef and owner David DeBerry will be released midweek. Click the subscribe button on your listening platform to see it show up in your feed. Looking for past shows and extras? Waiting on friespodcast.com is where we've got you covered. Have either of you guys been a diner at a restaurant week? So me and uh, some of my coworkers went to Union Square Cafe yesterday. Uh, in, intending on getting the restaurant week deal, we all ended up not and just ordering from the regular menu. But it was still a great lunch. What about you, Jay? I've been on the serving end of it. Uh, I've as- not really been on the going out to restaurant week. Uh, we have weird hours, right? Like... My off day, I want to lay on the couch and do laundry and get things done. We don't have time. How are you not motivated to go out and try something new on your off day when you have a chance to do so at such a great price? This is going to sound really weird to you, but when I go into the grocery store and I look at the sections of like what to eat, I go, all right, there's beef, there's chicken. Well, we were talking fish. about going out to a restaurant, yeah, not a grocery store. I'm just like, I'm, I'm bored by food. I, I need You're, a new genre. And this is exactly yes. why you go out during restaurant week to try something new for at a lower price point. Yeah. To have chicken with a different topping on it? Exactly. <sighs> Done. <laughs> I mean, like, this is exactly why things like this exist. So people like you who are bored with food get to try something new. I mean, we've been involved a couple times in the restaurant week in our area, and you know, we've had some like mixed reviews on it, but it's just a good chance to bring new people in. So what do you, I mean, what do you think, what kind of people do you get at a restaurant week? I think you get like a lot of different types of people. You get curious people, people who are curious about your food or your concept who have never thought they might maybe wanted to invest time or money into it. Now they have the chance to do so at a lower price point. You get people who have never heard about you, but see you on a list among restaurants that they are familiar with and they come into your door. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, you get people who are just looking for the best deal or the most cheap food they can get. Right. But I feel like that's probably a small percentage of the people that you get coming out. It's like a weird general. thing for me to do because most of the time when I'm going out to a restaurant, like, I will kind of avoid the busier times. Right. Because, you know what I mean? But that's, you know, lunch. You know, I'm Thursday in afternoon lunch. Yeah. Is a good choice. That's why the lunch definitely intrigued me. Yeah. But I try not to, like, frequent restaurants during busier times. One, because... Normally I'm I'm working during yeah. busier times. <laughs> Normally That's number one. Times. But also like I'm kind of not trying I'm trying to avoid the, the mass crowds and kind of get in on the other days that are available. Yeah. So you can really get the full you experience really get without it. being interrupted yeah. by Yeah, and when it's when it's anymore. so busy sometimes yeah. I feel like that actually takes away from your experience. Like if you go Absolutely. to a uh Tuesday night dinner service 
versus like a Friday or Saturday versus a night. Friday dinner. night. Yeah. You have a little more time. Yeah. I don't feel as bad about hanging out at a table because they don't they're not in as much of a rush to turn a table. Exactly. You're so probably if, not being pulled somewhere else. Yeah, so if moment. I want to have like an extra appetizer or an extra dessert or two extra drinks, I don't you know, I I have that compassion for the for the restaurant. Like I have to get out of this table because they need to turn it and they need that I had a few Saturday night we, we talked about it. I had a rare Saturday night off a couple of weeks ago and we went out to eat and I was telling my, my wife and my brother-in-law, I was like, can we go a little later on in the night? <laughs> because I don't really want to show up at seven yep. and first and them, be part of that yeah, hustle and be part yeah. of the hustle. And they're looking at me saying, Hey, what, why are you even here? You're supposed <laughs> to be one in your service. Yep. I'm fine eating dinner at 10 o'clock yeah. when they have the space. So like the restaurant week kind of, um, yeah. You know, another factor that, uh, that, you know, I started to see, I think, in restaurants when at least Hudson Valley Restaurant Week kind of started was at first these plates were nice and large and you would get these coarse meals out. And then as time went on, the plates just kept on getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I, I would imagine that this is for the restaurant to turn a profit on these lower end deals that they do to get people into the door, no? I assume that might have something to do with it. You just don't want to be giving away food when you're selling it at a lower price point, maybe. But it's also maybe to help the kitchen expedite service. If you're not putting together such a large plate, you're giving out smaller portions, you're able to handle that volume because maybe this kitchen's not used to doing a uh, like a coursed out meal like that. What you mean to say is because, sp- was it spoon spoonware? Spoonwork. Spoonwork. <laughs> Spoonwork <laughs> time involvement doesn't change no matter how big or small the plate is. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Oh, I got that's you. Not what I'm saying. Do you do you think that most people that come in during a restaurant week, they see the deal, they're intrigued by the deal, they say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go out on a night that we normally wouldn't go out," and they show up. Yeah. Do you, like you said, you went to USC Union Square yeah, Cafe. You went there and you were gonna get the deal, but then you ended up just ordering off the menu. Yeah. Which way you think happens more? Because I, I if it's if it's the latter where you just end up working off the menu. I think that's a good question. I'm not sure. I think it depends on what type of like eater or going out person you are. I think um, when all of us looked at the restaurant week menu and we saw there was just, not to say there weren't so many options, but it was quite limited compared to the regular menu. We all just started talking about it and decided that the regular options were a little bit more interesting. Yeah, Cause that might actually be the advantage just to intrigue people to get into the door. Exactly. You already then, got them in the seat and they're going to spend money most likely anyway. Yeah. Maybe Show they, them this and then tease them with the regular menu. What's, what's the word that you guys like to call me that starts with a P every once in a while? Uh, per, pretentious, Pretend, <laughs> pretentious. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, uh, to me, restaurant week two lets you go into a restaurant where you might not feel the most comfortable in just to reiterate and bring that back. But simultaneously, once you're in that place and you're kind of getting a feel for the environment, you're sitting around, you're like, Oh, I could hang I out in this, this place that has this. a lot of spoon work going on. Cool. I'll come check this thing out again at regular price because the menu doesn't look that crazy price wise. Do you think that do you think that something like that would turn into like regular guests afterwards though? Or are those or are the those people, people who come in and see the menu is less intimidating than they thought? Yeah, like he yeah, just explained, absolutely. but they see the price point and they're coming out. Do those people then shift to like the next you know, the next deal that they're looking for, or do they, if they like their experience, do you see them again and again? Cause when Groupon was a thing, which yeah. it pretty much died off and we don't, don't really see it anymore. Like Groupon diners were Groupon diners and they went they out to eat. from one Groupon yeah, to the from next one Groupon, Groupon and they to the wouldn't next. necessarily be repeat diners. And the idea yeah. behind Groupon was like, get them in the door and then turn them into your, turn them into your guests. But I don't, I think the success rate on that was like terrible. Yeah. 
Because you were getting one type of person. And you were getting, I think, deal, you yeah. were getting deal hunters. I think, it, again, it depends on the type of person. If you're like going out for the adventure of going out rather than going out looking for the best deal, you're more likely to get a repeat customer. Is that a Netflix show, by the way, Deal Hunters? It might, it might be. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if not, write it, it down. Like it They'll make anything a show. On the flip side, do people that already frequent the restaurant steer away during that week? Did you see like a, to- a total yeah, change? Like, um, so when we were talking about where to go, we were also talking about maybe going to Manhattan. But we were like, well, we've all mostly been there already. Let's go somewhere new. That's exactly what it was. Like, it was a nice price point to go right. eat in Manhattan, but we were like. Well, no, I'm, but I'm saying guests, right? So if you have a guest that's, that's a regular in, your, in the restaurant. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a little different depending on the type of restaurant. But you're saying maybe the guest stays away because they have options of going yeah, to somewhere for, else? For instance, Hudson Valley is two weeks versus, yeah. versus you know. So you're saying are you going to lose a customer for two weeks? Yeah, for two weeks is someone I mean, who's you, or like, oh, I don't know, this restaurant week is, thing is going on and there's all kinds of deal hunters in there and they're pushing this and they're maybe, pushing that. Maybe, but shouldn't the offset be you're going to get all these new folks in the door? Uh, absolutely, as long as you could turn them. Yeah. Right? Well, what's our what's our goal? Three, three visits, three times, right? Yeah. Three visits. And that then becomes a loyal customer. Yeah. Well, the, the, yes. the statistics Hopefully it becomes a loyal customer. Yeah. The statistics right. are that if you get get someone in the door, the probability that they return if it's their first time, the probability they return is something like fifteen percent probability that they return for a second time. If they come back a second time, then their probability goes up to like twenty percent, somewhere in that range. But if you get them to come in the third visit, their probability jumps to like eighty percent. That they'll be, you got them hooked, and now they're a customer. And and we see this too a lot too, right? You, you maybe you see somebody from one of the neighboring restaurants or bars come into your location uh, for the first time in a while. They they start showing up, making it more of a routine, if you will. Um, it's like if you drink one Red Bull, there's no such thing. You're like on a three week kick of drinking Red Bulls nonstop. There's something in it that just well, brings you, either, you back. Yeah, you true. either hate it and you're like, no, nah, 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 never again, <laughs> or you're hooked, so like. These guys, sure. You but, so you see these people come into the well, bar. For sure, it's like you step. You, it's like when you go in the ocean. You put a toe in your water. Yeah. All right, it's not that bad. Second time, and now I'm, I'm cannonball right in there. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm hooked on Red Bull. I just enjoy Red Bulls. There's uh, nothing I wrong wasn't with that. shooting at anybody. What's in that? What's in that mug right there? That's just water for right now. <laughs> but you'll see them come. You'll see them come sit at the bar for a while, like days after days, over the course of a couple of weeks, and then you don't see anybody for like two months. That same person that's been sitting in that seat. And they needed like a hard reset and they went to somewhere else and they started a new routine. Well, people have routines too. Yeah. Is that what you're Yeah. Saying? Like they break into new routines is what I'm saying. I do that. I'll, I'll be hard on one thing for like a month and just be the same thing every single day. And then something will hit. I'm like, this is my new thing. Don't for the, for the next, <laughs> And you won't see me. I used to go to this same deli every day and get the same sandwich. And I haven't been there in two years. <laughs> see, <laughs> that's the thing that happens. But I feel like there's probably a story behind it. There's probably a reason. In that particular, that I think so. Actually, yeah. are you? It wasn't just arbitrary that you just stopped going to get a sandwich in the morning. It? I, I don't remember what it was. Doesn't the person that made your sandwich, or the person that took your order, isn't there anymore? Oh, that place. That's different. That oh. was a, that's a different place. That was yeah. The, the there was one girl that would always get my yeah. order right. Yeah, yeah. And then she left, and that I would, it was always wrong. So I, I could tell on her on her voice. Like they would answer the phone. I knew her voice. If she picked it up. I was like, all right, cool. And if anybody picked it up, I'll speak. Oh, you know, never mind. I was like, <laughs> never mind. I don't want anything today. And then she left and went somewhere else. And I was like, oh, man. 
Can't I, go can't to this even, deli. I can't go any. I can't go anymore. But the other deli, I think one time there was one deli that didn't ran out of rolls at like twelve o'clock. I think I remember you telling me. Yeah, about it this. was like noon, and they ran out of rolls at twelve o'clock. I it was like you guys aren't even sandwich. trying. You guys aren't gonna, even trying. Can I get sandwich? Oh, we're out of rolls. I'm like, it's Friday. It's twelve o'clock. <laughs> How are you out of rolls? You're a deli. Like, <laughs> I think that uh, you should have left a restaurant review. A Yelp review. You could have left a Yelp review. Waiting on Fries quarters in full effect. Judge J residing in the case of Waiting on Fries against the Yelp reviewers of America. Prosecuting attorneys are Anu Bandel and Justin Zato. Order, order, order. Here we go. We got Shelby from Texas. Shelby. From Texas. Shelby from Texas. This place gets two from me. I had the chicken parm, way over portion, bready tasting, dry and tough. They give you a steak knife. Lacked seasoning, pounded as flat as a flapjack. And the thing filled the entire dinner plate. Nothing else, no garnish, no presentation, just a half acre of flat dry bready chicken topped in totally bland mozzarella and tasteless tomato sauce. There was no garlic flavors, no oregano, no EVOO flavor, no inspiration on these plates. The Olive Garden beats this place complete. That's a review. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm shook by this. Well, the Olive Garden does have the unlimited salad bar, don't they? That is one of that, their selling points. That is. Yep. You know what? I skipped one line in it. There, She also says, the pasta is not homemade. It was grocery store pasta. Tiny portions. Do you... How do you feel about so that? So, I'm just going to... I'm going to go on record and say, I know this place. Okay? Yeah. You're ready to go to bat for them. I'm ready to go bat for them. And it's a, definitely not grocery store pasta. I see them making it. <laughs> I concur. When I go in there at lunch. Like, they're literally making the pasta. Concur. Every day. So that's right off wrong. And then I'm just going to... Chicken parm is like my guilty pleasure. I, I love guilt. I, lo- I guilt. love guilt. I love guilt. <laughs> I love chicken parm. I get it everywhere. They have the best chicken parm on the planet. For real. On the planet. Wow. And everything she complains about is wrong. Way <laughs> over portioned. Like you got too much chicken parm. That, that seems like a strange thing to complain about. For real. They give you a steak knife. What? So you have a good utensil to, to like, like eat your hands meal hands. with. Lacked seasoning, pounded as flat as a flapjack. I don't know about you, but every time I've had chicken parm, it's supposed to be super thin yeah. on the plate. And it, the fact that it takes up the whole plate is appropriate. Like, it's a nice big piece of chicken. Nice big piece of chicken. <laughs> Shelby, um, Shelby gets me tight automatically from this entire experience, uh, from listening to this Yelp review. It's, it's, just, it's not fair. It's not fair that she has the power to type anything and hit submit into Yelp. <laughs> And this is just—I don't—I don't even know where to go with this. Now, uh, item number one, it's just wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> the, the, the place does pasta classes. Item number two, you go in at lunch and see them making pasta. Item number three, you're complaining about a beautifully nice spread-out piece of chicken, like a nice thin, crispy chicken cutlet. That's what you want. Yeah. That's Listen, want. Shelby is from Texas. I think that explains it. Ah, uh, don't <laughs> don't shot Texas on this one. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, maybe maybe it's not, but maybe they just don't have good chicken parm in Texas. Let's just say maybe they have different chicken parm. In maybe Texas. they have different chicken parm. Okay, and you know, Olive Garden chicken is Olive Garden chicken parm thick. We don't even do Olive Garden in New York like yeah, that because know. we I've have restaurants. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. All yeah. I know about olive, sti- olive sticks. Olive Garden <laughs> is that they have breadsticks, apparently, but I've never actually. And a salad bar. And a salad bar. Yeah. But I've never. Act- is that like the Sizzler? Man, remember Sizzler? Remember Sizzler? 
Oh, and was salad, that, salad bar. Was that one of the ones that died in that yeah, was the, 2000? Uh, the Red Lobster. We going, Sizzler. We going, Sizzler. Yeah, those those restaurants got Netflixed. Uh, anyway, fast enough. Shelby, thank you for your two-star review for an awesome restaurant. You clearly have no idea what you're talking now, about. Now go back in and edit it <laughs> and put five-star review there. All right? Pax makes pasta. Hashtag Pax makes pasta. But uh, I think it's about time that we check that voicemail, guys. Oh, what do we got? Click the buttons, Nooms. I think that's fair. You need to be able to plan your life and live your life outside of work. It's kind of rude to just, you know, wait until the middle of the night on a Friday to post a schedule for Monday that's two days out. You, what are you supposed to do? For sure, for sure. I don't know if we need to have laws about it, but you should, you know, you can <laughs> you take be a little up, considerate. You can take it up with your employer and yeah. say, hey, dude, like, can I find out when I'm working tomorrow? Like, we, have you have you changed the way you put up the schedule or you still do it, what, uh, Facebook, I, Excel sheet? I put up the I put up the schedule on Monday for Friday. I post it in the restaurant, and I post it in a little private Facebook group so everybody can see it. So on Monday by, like, noon, the restaurant is posted in two different places. Yeah. I mean, the schedule, schedule is posted in two different places. I got I, Latest, I want it up on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, Wednesday on a weird on a weird week if we're having well, schedule problems. that's still three days out from the first still, day of the schedule. You want to, you know, you, what if something happens? What if someone has to cover something? Yeah. You know, you got to know your what's going on. And it's also not fair to people. Like, if you're going to give someone off a Friday night, which is rare in our business, you should they, let sh- them know. they should know so they can be like, hey, friends, yeah. friends outside of the <laughs> restaurant business, what I'm are you available. guys doing? I'm available on Friday. It, but if you wait till like, Thursday night at the end of the night, yeah. okay, great. I'm just going to sit around and not do anything now. We get our schedule um, through an app, Sling. So we get our schedule, like, two weeks in advance. And bougie. It, super bougie. It's nice, though. Um, it'll like alert you when you have new shifts, tell you if there's a time change on your shift. You can like request coverage through the app. You can communicate with your coworkers and see who's working with you. I think it's it nice. just got paid by Sling. There's also a couple other ones out there, right? Schedule Fly and oh, what's the other ones? I don't know. I yeah, don't, you're I don't, actually a smart individual for not having to conform to any of that and use any of that because they do charge you. Uh, I'm sure there's a charge. To be using that. Yeah, totally. And you just set up a Facebook group, and everyone can just access their schedule. Uh, I walked into. Uh, what if you don't have a Facebook? They, I mean, it's at the store. They can well, call. Yeah, they know. can call I'm the restaurant saying. and say, you know, what's I mean, my schedule? And uh, I walked into a place that had no schedule emailed, and I was like, "Can I give you my email address so you could just send me the schedule?" And no, they're like, "No, no, we just posted <laughs> on the wall." I'm like, well, "What about the person that works every like yeah. twice a week?" And I don't know what a schedule change. But I didn't you know can call. Oh, you know, say hello. Can you check the schedule for me? I honestly think that has never occurred to him before. (laughs) The look, the look on his face is like, wait, what? It just, it it just hit me. A phone? (laughs) They're now receiving calls every Sunday afternoon to get my schedule for the following week. Yeah, totally. Uh, But I I feel, I, I feel his gripe though. He, he wants a little bit more respect at the end of the day. He wants his employer to be a little bit more together, maybe. I think that's fair. That is definitely respect. Respect your staff's time. When you I want was, them to respect your time. You what I was responsible for writing a schedule, I definitely got some complaints that I wasn't on time, and it made me be on time more. A write-up? No, I mean people complaining like, hey, what's my schedule? I need to know when I'm working. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Speaking of schedules, 
I gotta go. It's a good talk. See you out there. Boom. Don't forget to uh, smash that like and subscribe button because you know algorithms. Click the subscribe button on your listening platform to get locked in for more great interviews and inside tips and tricks of the hospitality industry.